when you get on the shelf, you just say, oh my God, this is incredible. And what I quickly realize is that's the starting line. Welcome to The Irresistible Factor, the podcast for brands in the health and wellness space who want to be irresistible, not only to consumers, but to investors and retailers. Here we talk to successful entrepreneurs about the inspiring stories that help them start and grow their awesome brands. And we also talk to investors, leaders in private equity, and retail buyers about what makes brands irresistible to them. Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of The Irresistible Factor. I am super excited today because I am speaking with Keith Belling, who was the founder of Pop Chips and the CEO of that brand, and now most recently founded a new brand called Right Rice, and he is the CEO of that as well, and also is on the board of directors of Restoration Hardware. So welcome, Keith, and thank you for taking time to do this interview. We're very, very thrilled to have you and excited to hear what you have to say. Well, thanks so much, Christy. Appreciate your having me and uh, excited to chat with you. Yeah, awesome. So do you want to talk a little bit about how you even got into being an entrepreneur in the better for you food space? Well, let me think about how to answer that question. So I was, first of all, raised in a very entrepreneurial family. And so that's the way that, you know, that I was brought up and my family was brought up. So it was kind of a natural as I got into my business career to, to become an entrepreneur and, and look, as far as the, the better few food space, it really started with Pop Chips, which I, uh, I founded with Ray Partner many years ago. I guess it was about 2007 when we launched. It seems like ages ago now. And it was really born out of necessity. I love snacking. I love potato chips. I found I was eating too many Doritos. And as a result, I you know, went to the snack aisle, couldn't find anything that you know, tasted great, that, uh, that was healthier. So you know, being an entrepreneur and not knowing better, I just decided to go create something myself and that turned into pop chips. That's pretty amazing. I mean, that was in the very early stage of people really getting connected to brands that were better for you. I think the snack aisle was a disaster if you were thinking about anything like that at the time. So that seems really visionary to me because 2007 was a while ago at this point. Yeah, no, look, the snack aisle, when I walk down the snack aisle now, I sort of chuckle at how it has evolved and, you know, all the better few brands, but you're right. When we did it, you know, there were really very few, if any, truly better few brands out there. Um, And by the way, when we started Pop Chips, the focus was fat and calories. So that's how much things have changed to today where people are looking for protein and, you know, and fiber and, you know, all kinds of other, um, you know, organic and whatnot. In that era, it was really, you know, there was just too much fat and calories and potato chips and people were looking for alternatives. So it was definitely a, a big change at that point. It certainly was. And you're right now, if you go in the aisle, there's, there are high protein chips and there are all kinds of weird things that are, you know, some of them are better for you. And then some of them are obviously questionable, but that's the world we're in. I think that everyone's looking for something that's better for you. And I would assume this is true for you guys as well as all the other CPG brands I've talked to when it comes to right rice, did you guys do well during COVID from uh, getting people interested in, in brands that are better for you and, and things that are shelf stable? Yeah, I, look, I, I think, you know, COVID was a really interesting period, right, for, for, for brands and especially emerging brands like ours. And, you know, I think people were looking for a lot healthier. I think the sort of buzzword was plant-based foods, you know, quick cooking, you know, you know easy to prepare. So we definitely found a, a very receptive audience for people that were looking for that. And 
besides, you know, the, the shelves were getting picked over for pantry staples. So, you know, there were times people had no choice, but if they wanted something like rice, they would grab a bag of white rice. Um, and some of my favorite, you know, responses, I got emails from people saying, you know, God, I went to, I remember, I think it was a Kroger store. I went to the shelf and, you know, was looking for rice and all there was, was these, you know, bags of, of right rice. And they figured I'd try some and, oh my God, I love it. You know, I'm buying it all the time now. So it was fun to see that. I don't know how often that happened, but it was certainly anecdotally, you know, sort of the trend of what was going on. Can you talk a little bit about right rice in case people don't know what it is? Just give us a little bit of background on what right rice is and what need you were trying to fill with that brand. Sure, sure. And I'm sure most people don't know what it is because we're still only just a little bit over two years old. But but look, basically, right rice, um, if I step back, um, as I said, I started pop chips because I was eating too many Doritos. In the case of right rice, I really love rice. It's one of my favorite foods. As most people know, it's probably one of the most beloved foods across every culture and cuisine. And I found that I'd been cutting way back on, on rice because of all the empty calories and the carbs. So again, it was a very personal mission that led to right rice just as, as it was with pop chips. And so when I looked around the market for rice alternatives, you know, really all that existed at that point was cauliflower rice. And while I think cauliflower is a fantastic vegetable um, and, and, and makes lots of great things, it, it really doesn't make very good rice. It doesn't deliver on, I know what I'm looking for in rice. And, and it's, you know, it's typically frozen and, you know, it's, it's, a, it's very complicated and messy and, you know, doesn't really perform like rice. So I knew that there was really a void in the market. And so what I wanted to create, and I guess we did create with right rice is a product that, you know, delivers on the taste and texture of rice. You know, that's table stakes. When we talked about the move to healthier foods and plant-based foods, people don't want to make sacrifices you know, it still has to taste really good. So no matter, I always say, no matter how healthy something is, that's not going to drive people to, to keep buying it. So in the case of right rice, you know, we table stakes was it had to, you know, taste and really, you know, look and taste like rice um, and, and, and be easy to cook. You know, I mean, rice is a bit of a, is, is demonized for some people and, you know, right rice, you can cook really quickly and, you know, in about 10 minutes, I like to say it's so easy, even I can't mess it up. And then we really wanted to deliver on nutrition. And in the case of right rice, what I wanted to have was, you know, we wanted at least 10 grams of protein, five grams of fiber, and we wanted to really reduce the carbs and not just reduce the carbs, but the carbs that exist, make them, you know, sort of what we call sort of called proper carbs, you know, not just empty carbs. And, and we did. So, you know, right rice has about, you know, double the protein of regular rice. It has about five times the fiber and it's got almost 40% fewer net carbs. And a couple of the other sort of, you know, bonus points are it's a complete protein. So we blend vegetables with a, a bit of rice to create our grain, which is shelf stable, I should say. So you find it in the rice aisle. So it's, it's shelf stable. And the, the blend of our ingredients creates a complete protein. So it's actually just, you know, higher digestibility and for people that care about that. And it's also got a low glycemic index. One of the other issues with rice is all the sugar. And for a lot of the folks that are facing diabetes and, and whatnot, you know, that's a big issue. And we've had a really receptive audience to the fact that we actually have a low glycemic index in our product. And then the only other thing I'd add is, you know, sort of our core product line that we launched with a couple of years ago, it comes in an original and flavors. So for me, when we started this, what I loved about rice is I, I, I like the flavors. I like the way it absorbs flavors and sauces. And what we created is a product that comes, you know, again, original, you can season it however you like, 
or it comes in, you know, um, garlic herb and Spanish and cilantro lime and lemon pepper. Those are some of our favorites, and most popular flavors. Everybody seems to love our Spanish right rice and our garlic herb in particular. And it's really easy to make without that mystery packet of seasoning. As you probably remember, you know, those old seasoned rices. You, you I do up, remember. I do remember. You'd open up that little mystery packet, <laughs> I like to say. And the only thing you knew is it had lots of sodium and MSG. That's right. That's right. And, and ours is all pre-seasoned. It's, you know, the, the, the rice is in rogue with seasoning. You drop it in the water. You, you cook it really quickly. And you don't have any, you know, it's all non-GMO, you know, you know, all sort of the right ingredients. That's awesome. You said something really interesting, and I'm curious to know how important you think this is. So you had a personal connection to pop chips and a personal mission to change the way you were eating something specific. And the same is true of right rice. Like this was your answer to a a void that was really personal for you. How important do you think that is for people when they're thinking about starting a company or a brand or creating a product? So that's a, that's a great question, Christy. And, and look, I'd say it's extremely important. It's funny when people ask me about advice that I give entrepreneurs and, you know, that I would have given my younger self is you have to be very passionate about what you're doing because it's going to be twice as hard as you thought it was going to be and probably take twice as long. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have that passion, you're not going to get through that roller coaster. And it's an inevitable roller coaster. I don't you know, I don't know any brands that just had, you know, quick and immediate success. I, I think you often hear funny lines about people saying, oh, it was a 10-year overnight success. Yeah. Um, so yeah. you really, you really need that passion because it's it's what's going to get you through. And then look, when you get done, if it works, I also like to say it will be twice as fun. But that passion is just really, really critical to, you know, to, to, to stay on it and, and drive through the inevitable adversity. Can you talk a little bit about the inevitable adversity? Like what kinds of things were you faced with on this brand? And are they similar to what happened when you started Pop Chips or different now? You know, I think every brand has its own cadence and issues. And there's always going to be questions and issues and, you know, what works and doesn't work. In the case of Pop Chips, we really kind of struggled with finding the right distribution strategy and really getting the right message out. You know, it was a very different time so than, than it is now. So, you know, we had a, a range of issues over the years and we manufactured our own product. And so we had the challenges of forecasting and building a team. I mean, it was, it had its share of challenges for sure. In the case of Right Rice, you know, look, I, I'd say the challenge is the center of the store is probably the biggest challenge. The snack aisle, as you know, is, you know, along with sort of the beverage set are two of the most popular, you know, high velocity parts of the store. You, your favorite beverage, you might buy three or four times a week, right? Um, Or more snacks you're buying, same thing you're buying frequently, you know, sometimes eating them daily. When it comes to the center of the store, you know, I call it the blessing and the curse for us because when you get to the center of the store, it doesn't have the same traffic. You know, it's got consumers are a little skeptical. They tend to shop it quickly. They buy what they're used to buying. And so it's a lot harder. I, I sort of call it the blessing, the curse, as I said, because the blessing was there's been so little innovation in the center of the store in the rice aisle that retailers have been really receptive. So within you know two, two and a half years, we're in probably 7,000 doors, which is pretty good for a, a new brand like ours. Absolutely. The flip side of that, the curse is, you know, velocities are a lot slower and it takes, and it's challenging to get off the shelf and it's challenging to get the consumers to know your brand. And so we continue to struggle with that. 
and and try and you know build the brand now you know we were in stores ranging from whole foods where you know we've we first launched with them in um february of 2019 you know with our original line and it's been a great partner for us we just did our our third launch in two years with them we launched our risotto line which i'm super excited about it's risotto made from our same grain it cooks up in 12 minutes you know same protein same fiber you know but it's all dairy free 100% plant based but it tastes you know it tastes fantastic it's creamy and delicious so whole foods has been a great partner some of the conventional grocery has been a little bit more of a challenge for us and you know as as we've thought about building the brand you know to to compensate for that we've really looked at what we call the sort of emerging channels for building our brand so specialty channels and food service you know places where you can go to find and discover brands yeah and, you know and 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 places where it's sort of combination of sales and marketing and, you know partners for that have been like hungry root who has been fantastic and were in all the kaba restaurants across the country with oh, amazing offering. that's fantastic i didn't know that yeah so those have been the ways that we've tried to compensate for it Do you have so Whole Foods makes total sense to me and it feels like they don't really have the same center of the store issues as as mass grocery stores do because the whole store is is you know there's a lot of better for you scattered around the store. Do you have is it hard to to get the kind of velocity that you feel like you need in the more mass channels? Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely been more of a challenge. I mean, look, on the one hand, velocities are are lower in the center of the store and those kinds of retailers, you know, so yeah. the benchmark is lower. Yeah. But yeah, but being discovered and getting there has definitely been more of a challenge. Now, in our case, one of the interesting insights is you've probably seen in in the work you do the premiumization of a lot of categories. So it's happened in beer, it's happened in yeah. cereal, it's yeah, happened yeah, in yeah. bread. Yeah. You know, yeah. somebody's come in with a more expensive price point. It's happened in snacks, of course. and we sort of have led that premiumization in the rice aisle so our average you know our purchase is higher than traditional rice and you know meal and and rice and grain products and and so because of that it isn't sort of a strict velocity that you look at it's kind of you know dollar contribution and what retailers call penny profit because you know they're going to make more off of the sale of one of our bags you know a bag of right rice is you know 3.99 you know uh you know other rice products might be you know a dollar 50 to 2 $2.50 and they're often on special so the equivalent velocity is actually higher in terms of contribution mm-hmm. but having said all that we're we're still in you know in conventional mass at the lower end of the extreme at you know at whole foods we're doing great we have a terrific partnership we're you know really helping drive category growth and innovation for them but again in the conventional you know it's really been a slower road that we're working on and we haven't gone into mass yet so we're you know at some point that's that's where we'll get we'll we'll where we'll move to at the right time how do you um convince consumers i mean you are doing something really innovative and you know it happened with pasta a while ago with better for you's and gluten free's but you're doing something in a category which is really rice is is one of the lower cost staples that people buy so how do you get them to to understand the difference and the benefit and the the cost value equation No, I, I should probably be asking you that question how we should be doing it. Um and, and, and would, I would love I would to love, tell you. <laughs> I, I would I would love would love to hear your ideas, but but look, at the end of the day, it's, you know, look, it's first of all, we're a grassroots brand and, you know, much the way we started Pop Chips as a grassroots brand, we we quickly realized we weren't ever going to outspend the incumbents and shouldn't that's try. Right. Yeah. Um and that's not 
what the consumer is looking for. And the same with Right Rice. I mean, we're, we're not going to outspend, so we're a grassroots brand. Things have changed from when we did Pop Chips. Look, when we launched Pop Chips, social media was really just getting going. One of my favorite sort of anecdotes is there was a contest between Larry King and Ashton Kutcher who could get to a million Twitter followers first. That was big. That was big news when we launched and we used an active field marketing team. You know, yeah. where we had people out handing out bags of yeah. pop chips at races and walks and events. And, you know, we had a really good team that we invested a lot in, you know, to, to really deliver the product into people's hands. So today, influencers play a different role. Obviously, social media, it's like night and day. You, you know, you can't even compare the impact and, and opportunity but it's also highly competitive and expensive, right? Yes, um, very, so, very. So that, so that marriage of influencers and social media has taken the place of, you know, of field marketing teams and, and whatnot. And not only that, at the end of a walker race, you love getting a bottle of smart water. You know, you love getting a bag of pop chips. I mean, you know, there's all kinds of snacks. You're not really going to be excited to have somebody hand you a bag of rye rice. So it doesn't really fit from a field marketing standpoint. But at the same time, it's really a focus on grassroots, getting into people's hands, leveraging influencers and social media. And again, a big part of us is these brand building channels. Again, I'll take Kava as a great example. It's an amazing restaurant. You know, they've got well over 100 units. People love their food. It's Mediterranean. It's fresh and healthy. And they hadn't brought on a, a rice alternative or a grain alternative before, I, I think, maybe ever. And they had tried a bunch of the products, loved right rice, and we're in there on a branded basis. So, you know, we're the chicken and right rice bowl, or there's an alternative base of right rice. So people are getting branded experiences of our product, you know, in a great environment like Kava, which us is, you know, really, really incredibly valuable. Or, you know, we're doing a lot now with QVC. Um, and as I said, things like Hungry Root. And so we're really finding ways to deliver the product. Territory Foods has been an amazing partner, you know, doing, you know, branded meals with Right Rice. So, you know, they tell our story. It's a great collaboration. And look, probably what you can hear from what I'm saying is you've got to be really creative because it's not about spending. It's yes. really about being creative and delivering the message. And look, some consumers are going to love Right Rice. Anybody who's on a healthy path and wants more protein and fiber, you know, lower carbs, you know, lower glycemic index, that's a driver. Just as you said, pasta is really different because what drove pasta was gluten-free. Yes. And so Very that was an immediate point of differentiation. Yeah. I'm not and brands like, yeah. like Bonds have done so well. Yep. Yep. That's interesting. I think it's amazing. The partnerships that you have are so interesting and so smart. I mean, I love that you're in Kava and I think it's so awesome that you're branded because you are giving people, first of all, they're already having a good experience because that's a fun way to get your food. And they're so people are so passionate about that brand. And then to have your branded rice there and, and invite people basically to recreate that experience at home is really awesome. Really it's, it's all about, it's all about discovery, right? Um, yeah. And, yeah. And, and this is what you do. So you know it a lot better than I do. No, I mean, I think it's really, I mean, it just, it feels exciting to be able to have that and then say, I can actually have this again without having to go back to Kava every single time. So that's, that seems really um, innovative in a lot of ways to me. So that's really cool. And, and it makes sense when you really think about it. Um, what's, what are, what are some of the bigger challenges that you're faced with going forward now? Like I would imagine 
So when COVID happened, everyone was thinking about their immune systems and being healthier and eating better and all the things that you think about when you're scared of being sick. And I think there'll be some lingering effects of that because a lot more people got tapped into health and wellness than were before, but it won't stay, it won't be at the level obviously that it was over the past year and a half. So does that create opportunities for you, challenges? So so look, I, so, so first of all, challenges for everybody. It's been, you know, look, it's been such a challenging time for oh, everybody yeah. on so many levels, right? Business, yeah, personal, yeah. professional, yes, and everything in between. I mean, it's touched all of our lives in so many ways. And, you know, our hearts go out to so many people have struggled through this. Um, but but I but I, look, I think at the end of the day, we've all had to learn and, and, and evolve through it. And, and probably for us, one of the biggest things is that's, I think, going to continue past, I mean, I'm knocking on wood, as I say this, past COVID, is just, you know, sort of the importance of sort of easy to prepare quick meal solutions, Yeah. you know, that you, you know, that you can make at home. I think, you know, whether that's coming through the territory foods or the thistles or the purple carrots, you know, we partner with those guys, you know, whether it's coming through them or just people buying it in the grocery store and bring it home as a pantry staple to make mm-hmm. quick, quick meals, quick, healthier meals, quick, plant-based Healthy meals. Yeah. And so that's really been a place that, you know, when we launched Right Rice, I mean, obviously we were really happy to know how easy it is to make. Again, 10 minutes, as we like to say, if you can boil water, you know, you can make Right Rice. And, and, and so that's, that's, that's been really great. But what's really become, as I said, more important are these quick, healthy meal solutions. And the fact that we now can tell that story has really kind of helped us as we've come through COVID. And I think it's, you know, kind of a trend that I don't think is going to go away. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. And I think it's I think it's one of the things that happened that was really I mean, there are some things that came out of this that were good. And I think people getting connected to each other again and getting connected to their health again. I think that's really awesome. And I'm thrilled that that's happening because that's part of, you know, I'm I'm really passionate about about that. And I know that the more people that are passionate about it, the less strain they'll be on our system and all the good things that come from having healthier populations. So I love that. Um, what about challenges going forward for you guys? Like what's the thing that's like weighs on you the most right now? Probably a couple things. I mean, one is again, you know, continuing to drive velocities and you yeah. know, in, in some of our channels, I mean, inevitably, you know, continuing to get the product into people's hands and, you know, mouths and stomachs is obviously something and I think finding the right balance between sort of growth and innovation is always important and hard. Um, you know, we're, we like to think, you know, we kind of help lead this reimagination of the rice aisle. And, you know, just as we did with pop chips, I mean, I always look back and feel lucky that we were really kind of at the very beginning of reinventing, you know, the snack aisle and how people yeah. get better at these snacks. And we're, you know, we're trying to do that again with, with right rice and in the rice aisle. And, you know, People are going to come. There's always going to be other people doing their version of it. And, you know, some are better than others, but you got to, you know, you got to continue to innovate. So that's why, for example, we did our, our risotto line, which again, has just had a, you know, a terrific response so far, but you got to, you, you know, you got to continue to innovate to stay out front and, you know, you got to find that balance though, right. Between growth and innovation. I think that's a really important topic. And I think people really struggle with that when they're starting brands and sometimes they over innovate because they think that's the key to being successful, but it's not necessarily true, which I'm sure you would say as well, which is why you haven't innovated 75 different products, but you've done a couple of really important ones. So 
that feels important to know because when you over innovate, obviously you spread yourself really thin and then you don't know what's working and what isn't. And I think that's a, a good watch out for people to think about the balance between innovation and, and just growth. Oh, no, you I mean, Christy, look, you're, you're totally right. And look, the easiest thing in the world is to create new flavors, right? Yeah, I mean, you've yeah. got your packaging done, you put a new flavor on it, get yep. it out there. And, you know, I mean, that's really easy and it's easy to get retailers excited. And all of a sudden you have 12 or 15 or 20 SKUs and you're like, going, oh boy. I, you exactly. Know, I, and you don't drive like your leaders and your, you know, what you really need in terms of hero SKUs. And so, look, we all suffer from it, though, because you've got to do that to get more space and find that right balance. And, you know, we've got a couple of new flavors of uh Right, rice. We're just we're just showing to a couple of retailers we're excited about. But I but I even know like you, you just got to be careful and you got to move things in and move things out and keep things fresh. And it's a hard balance to strike. Definitely hard balance. What are you most excited about? You know, I probably the consumer reaction. I mean, it's just so fun to get that feedback from people when they love your product. With pop chips, I mean, I'll never forget again. You know, the reaction when we first got emails and, and, and feedback from people. It wasn't social media. Like today, it's so rich in social media, and the, you know, the feedback loop. But I'll never forget seeing those first sort of passionate consumers and evangelists, you know, loving your product and your brand, because you never know, right? We all fall in love with our own things. And I remember saying to myself, oh my gosh, there's this much passion around snacks. So, you know, we're, we're still earlier in, in the cycle with Right Rice, but we're, you know, we're getting really good feedback and a lot of passion from people. And that's just, you know, that's just really rewarding and, and exciting to see. And, you know, that's what's going to long-term drive, you know, whatever success we have. That's awesome. As we get ready to wrap up, I just wonder if there's any advice. I'm sure you have loads and loads of advice because you've been doing this for a while and you are, I don't know if I'd call you a serial entrepreneur, but you definitely aren't just a one-time entrepreneur. So was there anything you'd tell people who are either at the early stages or even thinking about creating a, a brand or a product? First of all, I, I, I absolutely call myself a serial entrepreneur. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I always laugh. My mom used to say to me, now, what do I tell people you do? And, you know, I tell her I'm an entrepreneur and, you know, sort of explain that concept. But yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, look, I, I'm not, there's some entrepreneurs that are just incredible about whipping out new products and businesses. And I marvel at them. For me, I come back to the comment we talked about passion. So my first bit of advice is, be passionate about what you're doing. Again, it's going to be twice as hard and take twice as long. So mm -hmm. be passionate. As I said, I think second, that's really important is, is not being afraid of what you don't know and surrounding yourself with people who do like, you know, find advisors and, you know, people, you know, that you really, who have a real point of view and some experience and find a way to get them involved. Every company I've ever done has informal advisors. I mean, they're not formal like a board of directors, but they're advisors who who get on the phone and challenge your thinking. And, and I do it for companies. I have a handful that I do. And like I pride myself on on wanting and delivering a passionate point of view. You know, like I, I all have a point of view. And as I say to people, you know, look, I can't tell you I'm right or wrong. I can just tell you what my point of view is. And I always tell people, surround yourself with a handful of people that have a strong, passionate point of view and listen to them. Doesn't mean you have to agree. Doesn't mean you have to do what they say, but really do listen. And then, and then, and then look, the, I think the last thing that I would say is, is not being afraid to fail. Some things are going to work. Some things won't, you know, mm -hmm. I'm, you know, every business that I've ever been involved with, there's been times I want to, you know, strangle myself. Right. And you sort of laugh at how challenging it is. And, 
you know, I remember meeting the guys from, uh, you know, the very senior people from vitamin water, him telling me how challenging it was. And this was after their $4 billion exit to Coke. Yeah. Um, but, but every business goes through that. I mean, every single one, and you gotta be prepared to get up off the ground and, and, and understand the challenges and, you know, and that there are challenges and no, everything isn't going to work. You also have to know that, right. I mean, some of the best ideas, you know, turn out to be incredible and some don't. And, yeah. you know, and, and so that's, again, why having the objectivity of people around you is probably helpful. So, you know, don't be afraid to fail, you know, be passionate about what you do and surround yourself with smart people. That's probably my best advice. Yeah. Those are all good ones. I mean, I think the surrounding yourself with smart people is, is a really, really good one and hard for people who are just starting out because you feel like you need to prove yourself and you want to do it and be successful and have your own vision. But I think you will end up with tunnel vision sometimes. And so getting an outside perspective, even though it might not be what you want to hear and maybe you won't take the advice, I do think that making putting yourself out there and getting feedback is, is very important and probably one of the harder things for, for business owners to do. Totally right. And you really have to listen. I mean, you don't yeah. have to agree, right? You, yeah. I mean, you don't. You don't have to agree. In fact, oftentimes I can tell you that how many pe really smart people told me I was doing things wrong with pop chips and I, I had a, I had conviction. And, and in most of the cases, I was right, ultimately, on some of these things. But, but you have to listen to people and you have to be willing to. Um, you know, all of us are smarter than one of us or some of yeah. us. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's nice yeah. to have that. But, but again, when we start something, we think we know everything and it's easier said than done to listen. Yeah, definitely. And also you are vulnerable when you, it, when you start sharing things before you're ready to, but I think that's the important time. hundred percent. No, yeah. that's, that's, that's totally right. So, so look, before I go off, so what advice do you, I mean, you've worked with a lot of entrepreneurs, like what's the advice you give people? Um, I think, I think the one of the most important things is really understanding your customer or your consumer. Like you're trying to fill a need. And I think really knowing what that is and knowing who those people are and understanding the right way to talk to them, for me, that's one of the most important things. And I think that we, as brand consultants and agencies and brands themselves, I think we we really sometimes feel like we know what we like and how it's supposed to be, but the consumers are the ones who really know. The consumers totally. are the ones who, yeah, they're the ones who have to buy your product over and over again. And so not understanding them and not having input from them, I think at the beginning is tempting because there isn't a lot of money and there aren't a lot of resources when you start something. But I think that's one of the most important things that a brand could do is really understand the, the consumer that you're trying to sell to. Yeah, uh, look, that, that's a great point. And as I often tell people, you know, you work really hard to create a product, right? I mean, it's so hard to come up with a good product and get the packaging right. And that's already incredibly difficult. And then yeah. it's incredibly difficult to get a retailer to bring it in, right? Yeah. I mean, to find that retailer to put you on the shelf when it's brand new and, you know, nobody knows you or your product. I mean, that's also incredibly hard. So those two steps, when you get on the shelf, you just say, oh my God, this is incredible. And what I quickly realize is that's the starting line. Yes. Right. Certainly. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you've 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 successfully gotten to the starting line, but like then it's about the consumer and purchase and repurchase and you know evolving and improving and and again just what you said, listening to the consumer because we all think how much work we've done to get on that shelf, and it's just scary to think that's just the beginning. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But it's exciting too. I mean, I think I also think that knowing that that the answers to some of those consumer questions when you 
start thinking about going into retail is really helpful and important so that you're not guessing once you get there and hoping and praying, you know, the last thing you want to do is be like, I really hope this works, but I have no idea. <laughs> and we, and by the way, we usually don't have any idea. I mean, some people do yes. focus groups and things like that. I, I just never have, I've never been a fan of that and, you know, tend to get a, you know, socialize among a tight circle of people and yep. you know, let the retailers vote and whatnot. But look, at the end of the day, you never really know what's going to work. And, you know, you gotta, you gotta be nimble. It's true. It's true. It's true. Well, I really appreciate your time so much. I think this was an incredible interview and I think there's so much good insight and, and advice for people who are thinking about getting into the space. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks, Chrissy. Thanks for having me on. And I, I enjoyed getting a chance to chat as well. Yeah, me too.